Democrats have votes to lose and Republicans have votes to lose. And that's not healthy because it should be an open, open field. And people shouldn't be walking in as supposed like uh, predestined contenders that only have to beat one person. Whether it's coercion or bribery or a job, it's called lobby. And it's a total misdirected. So I think what's holding back third parties is lobbying. I think that most lobbyists pay the Democrats and Republicans and they pay uh, the right people so that the media, which is absolutely beholden to advertising and linked into all of this, is going out of its way to support the Republican and Democratic Party. I think. Welcome to the Purple Political Podcast, a podcast here where we have some excellent discussions, maybe debates, come up with solutions, all that good stuff. Here, kind of exercising the importance of uh, understanding and conversation. Uh, I'm your host, Riddell Lewis, of course, and I have a guest here, my guy here named Mike Oppenheim. Is that how you say it? Uh, It's Oppenheim, but I really... Oppenheim. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm allowed to introduce himself and uh, tell uh, the people what he's about. Hi, everyone. Yeah, my name is Mike Oppenheim. I'm a 41-year-old writer located in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm originally from the Bay Area of California, and uh, I've lived all over the country. I've lived in like nine or ten different states, so um, I kind of love moving around and getting to know America, but um, I my career is I'm now a writer, and I've been a writer since uh, 2006. And I write novels as well as weekly essays, and they're mostly philosophical. And uh, I also play music and make webisodes and stuff like that. But primarily, I'm an author. So, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I have a, I have a deep interest in like philosophy too. Um, for me, when it comes down to it, I don't really like pay attention to the like innermost like concepts of every different ph- philosophy, such as like determinism or existentialism. But I like the the idea of like these very abstract conversations like i even have a whole like list of like questions of conversations that i think deem interesting i might ask one of them uh depending on how how time is looking later on but cool yeah the philosophy is one of the more interesting topic of discussion because technically technically there's never a right answer but it's you know a lot of interesting to- uh talking points so uh but with that said, today we're going to be talking about a third party and the third party system in America, or the essence of third parties and how it plays in America specifically, because that's what we're going to focus upon. So what are your general thoughts about you know how third parties are depicted in America right now in our current society? Yeah, well, right now I'd say they're not depicted. I'd say that's the general gist of the conversation uh, from everything from like, are you in a red state or a blue state? Uh, what do red and blue combine? Obviously purple, if you're listening to the show. So it's, you know, like we think in terms of we only have two colors. These two colors can possibly combine to create one other color. And I would say, you know, America doesn't have to be purple, blue, or red. It could be a blend of a lot of colors. So I'm not actually like for one third party. Like I don't want to see one third party overtake one of the other two or something like that. I would like to see healthy competition with many parties and to see more representation. Um, And so as far as you asked me specifically how it's depicted, I would say it's not really depicted, but um, one of my jobs is I'm a book indexer. So I index a lot of textbooks. I get them uh, in a PDF file and I have to read through them and create the index that goes in the back. So I spend a lot of time seeing what is going into education, both at the collegiate and the high school level. And uh, 
there was always like one paragraph about third parties and they usually mentioned Ross Perot. He's like probably the most famous in the last uh, 50 years. And if not him, then uh, Wallace in the 60s, who was like a noted racist, um, terrible, terrible person. And that was one of the scariest third party runs. But then recently in 2016, when Hillary Clinton was going up against Donald Trump, uh, the Libertarian Party had a candidate, Johnson, and he started hovering close to the 5% line, which is the magic number that if a third party gets, then in the next election, they get represented on TV in the debate. So if any third party can get a 5% vote in the general populist vote, the you know, not the Electoral College. Anyway, and what I noticed in his campaign was that he was doing just fine. And then in an interview, he didn't know a question's answer, which was, they asked him about Aleppo, which is a city in Syria. And he said, what's Aleppo? And the media played the clip for like five straight days. Just what's Aleppo? What's Aleppo? Meanwhile, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton had plenty of their own faux pas. And the sitting president, Biden, is actually literally famous for his like, you know, mistaken things in speeches. So it, I saw it as a very, very hypocritical stance of the media to just completely plow this third party candidate out of um Basically, they were discrediting him and they were just saying, you're not one of the two representatives that we're really supposed to take seriously. This proves it. Um, so that's that's my take on the representation of third parties in America right now. OK, I'll, I will say that in general, I will definitely uh, adhere to the fact that currently third parties are not seen like at all in terms of like the general perception, even online where it's like a multitude of information, nearly nobody really talks about the third party system. Now, as of recently, there's a new third party that's kind of focused on the purple, the centrist, um, the new up and coming. And it had some very interesting leeway considering Andrew Yang was the one who uh, formulated this party called the Ford Party. I find it very interesting because obviously I don't follow on either side in terms of the spectrum. So I'll be following and see if they can ever gain traction, uh, especially since Andrew Yang was like somewhat viral for bits and pieces throughout the last like two years, give or take. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can make anything of the, his party. But before we focus on that, on like the deficiencies of third party and why they are kind of not depicted well currently, um, would you say in general that third parties had some value over like American history? That's a great question, actually. Um, in my limited understanding of the history of all elections, I would say on the lower levels, yes, undoubtedly. Um, there's always been independent candidates and viable people. And, you know, I, I, as a student of history, like most people will recall that America was not originally Democrats and Republicans. There was, I believe the Whig party was one of the parties, um, right. or maybe it was the Tories. Yeah. And then the Republican party actually rose to prominence in the middle of the 1800s. So this is not unprecedented for a party, but like I said, in the very, very beginning, I don't want to see one party eat another one up and then have two again. So, I think the viability has always been there in local elections where people it's more of like an intimate setting. Like, Oh, there's these five people running for mayor. They don't really, they don't, they're not all uh, Republican, Democrat, blue, red, whatever. Um, but once you get to Senate and higher, especially the presidency, I would say, no, it's not really ever played a huge role except as like the quote unquote spoiler. So Ralph Nader in the 2000 election was, uh, supposedly stole votes from Al Gore, which is why Bush won. You know, there's always like, 
it's the side that loses that's always saying the third party took them. Meanwhile, um, Clinton believed that uh, Johnson took away votes from her and Trump succeeded because of that. But there's actually very little evidence of that. Um, yeah, there there's some arguments yeah. that uh, in terms of the Al Gore election that the uh, third party took votes away from him and uh, yeah. kind of preceded uh, Bush's uh, winning of the presidency. Um, but some people argue that's okay. kind of the value of the third party system. Uh, the fact that it can take away votes from an, uh, from a different person or the aspect of it raising different issues that could potentially be prominent enough to like do something about it. I think you mentioned like Bill Clinton. There's uh, one example that I read recently in regards that um, one of the representatives had, or one of the third party representatives had a popular declaration regarding like some budget bill. And then because of how notoriety, uh, how much notoriety he, he garnered, Bill Clinton kind of, decided hey okay we're gonna go with something like that i think people wanted this so the third party system you know could do one of two things is can ruin another party's present election so to speak which it's a little bit of political game i don't know how much i you know that's a little interesting but the other aspect is if they get enough you know say they can really raise issues that people really care about especially if they raise a specific issue everybody's like I this issue is like super important and then both the other two parties go like oh yeah they actually really care about this so let me kind of bring that into my campaign moving forward so those are two things but um it's so we we've seen that throughout the times throughout history about different parties you said Wake party of course which turned into the Republican party and a lot of that was due to like slavery and the huge impact slavery had in general but for now, we know that third parties can have some relevance based on the two things I mentioned. Well, multi-party system, it's questionable. What kind of relevance do you see a multi-party system having that's even more beneficial than a third party that's realistic? You know, yeah. I, I like the idealistic aspect, but what's like realistic? Well, so first I'll just get into really quick the psycholinguistics behind the phrase, which you and I both use. So it's, not, I mean, everyone uses it, but taking away votes from someone that's why i'm kind of against the two-party and even a three-party system is that they whoever they are there's not like a cabal or anything but a cabal right. but they're somehow the american public has become convinced that democrats have votes to lose and republicans have votes to lose and that's not healthy because it should be an open open field and people shouldn't be walking in as supposed like uh predestined contenders that only have to beat one person so what I want to see, and you said to not go to the ideology, so I will make it practical, is I want like practical battles for practical uh, goals. Because right now, I will never support the Republican Party for like three different issues that they're in favor of. But meanwhile, the Democratic Party, which I also don't support, I can't support them because of three issues they have, right? Meanwhile, if there was six parties each representing one of those issues then i could be represented in the ways i want to be so i don't feel like we're getting represented for what we really want like i don't want someone who's going to tell people they can't smoke marijuana and they can't uh make decisions about their own body uh but they get to own guns and i don't want someone who says you can never own guns and you can do whatever you want with your body and you can smoke marijuana but you can't say these things they're hurtful uh that 
that has no relevance in my world. Like I want to have open conversations and I want people to be able to say things, even if they're hurtful, um, which is different from hate speech. Hate speech has been defined in a court of law. There's no issue with that. So just in case someone listening is misled by what I'm talking about, I'm talking about how each of these parties have gelled on to like five, six, seven talking points, but many of them contradict what moderate people like you and moderate people like me actually want to see in this country, which is moderate solutions. So you're, they're cannibalizing individual expression. And that's why these big, powerful sweeps are happening. You know, I don't think a lot of Republicans wanted to see the Supreme Court be full of Republicans with uh, with a religious intention. You know, a, a lot of Republicans are not religious, but that party has absolutely gelled itself to a religion in this country. And they always stand behind the tenets of that religion. Yeah, that's very true. In general, I do think the aspect of, of conversation and the necessities behind the fact that these two parties are kind of like in, um, destined to win uh, some seat in either the Senate, the Re- House, or even the uh, uh, like the presidency, for example. And I, I saw one thing they said the problem currently with the, the bipartisanism system is that because it's so polarized, people are voting because they hate the other side, not voting because they want their current side to do better. So that's a big problem, which I do think the value of the third party could potentially bring up. However, when it comes down to the two party system, the kind of the reason why it's kind of two parties in a lot of people's eyes is the aspect of the reactionary versus the revolutionary and the fact that those are the two primary ideologies where people want things to stay a certain way because of their own innate logic or religious uh, institution or the uh, revolutionary who wants to continuously progress but there may be arguments here that they progress too far to the point where it may be illogical in some people's eyes um, so that's definitely why uh these two parties are exist because the ideologies tend to generalize one way or the other um and then the people in the middle would be the the centrist the the moderates for example but my question here is how much does the ideologies in terms of the middle really like are unique in comparison to the other two sure i could say a third party where there's a lot of like unique third-party ideologies um but in terms of a multi-party how much uh overlap will there be and will there be actually that many individuality between these parties to the point where i can say there's a centrist ideology but a concern could be that one party wants to goes to the extreme whether you will find some race realists who really just like super racist it's like okay we need to separate white and black people or you can get a super religious dude say okay we we need everything just to be christianity um and the entire governmental system be uh kind of based in christianity values like screw the idea of separation of state the state needs to be christian right so in terms of like political ideologies i don't know if there's that much uh difference other than those extremes that potentially may exist. So what do you think about that? Well, it's a really good question. And I, I do agree. First of all, I will just flat out say this in every country that has multi representations, there is always like one of those dangerous parties you mentioned that always teeters on the edge of having power, but they're never able to get enough power to be at the top of the triangle. 
So I will say that the risk of the entire nation being controlled by a, a faction of loonies is almost impossible in this scenario that I'm describing. But it doesn't mean that that party wouldn't be represented and have an actual say in a way that it currently doesn't. However, I will say that there are currently people in the House that are considered wackos and uh, I don't even know if they're called Trumpers anymore because I'm not sure like what name is being used for them. But they're people who, you know, believe the election was stolen and they're in in a lot of conflict with, you know, they ran Republican. And it's the same thing happened with the Tea Party, if you remember, the exact same thing happened. And so the Tea Party actually broke off from the Republicans and then they kind of went away. But so right now, I think you have like uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. You have these people who run as a Democrat or as a Republican. But then when they're eventually busted on corruption charges and you hear tapes of how they talk and what they did, you quickly realize that, no, they just were, you know, bad, bad seeds. So so I do think that the overall risk isn't too high of the country being changed the way you said, but I do think it is possible. But as far as like the actual unique sensibilities that aren't being represented, I would just go back to like what you said about religion. Um, I feel like we do have a pretty religious government right now and that it does favor Christianity over other religions. Now, I would also say that our country is probably self-identifying at this point, 60 to 70% Christian. So it kind of makes sense, right? Like, uh, yeah, but I wouldn't say it's like a Christian government. It's just, it's just our values lean Christian. Yeah, but the law and the protection of the Christian laws tend to be held sacred. Um, So, you know, I think like abortion's the biggest religious issue in this country. And then I would say marijuana is the other one that like borders on it because some Christians are absolutely okay with the proliferation of marijuana and others think it's a drug. It's a sin. Um, My very limited understanding of the Bible is that it doesn't actually mention drugs because there was no such term or word back then. So. Yeah, from my sure. from yeah. from my understanding, I, I actually don't meet. I obviously I meet a lot of people who are like against abortion, like pro life, all that. God, wh- whatnot. I don't meet a lot against marijuana. I think for the most part, marijuana is definitely leaning into the point where it's like every state eventually will have it legalized. Um, eventually, every state will have it recreationally legalized. Like, there's very few uh, arguments against it. Now, abortion is the touchy one. It's like super yeah. touchy. Um, and there's like so many arguments for and against that I've heard. I have my own thoughts about it, but yeah, that one will be hard to kind of prove because even if you're not religious, people who are pro-life still stand by the pot, the aspect that this is a person. So even if they don't like lean into the religious thing, you trying to tell them that this is not a person will be hard to prove. So it'll be it, yeah. that one is very touchy. I'll agree to that for sure. Um, and I think um, so. You know. Another touchy subject is like, um, I would say like trans issues, trans rights. And the Democratic Party represents supposedly half this country. You know, I mean, I I think the actual numbers are like 40 and 40 and then there's 20 percent independent. But um, but my overall point being that, uh, I mean, my personal opinions aside, my personal opinions are very, very socially liberal. I'm all about everyone and full freedom. So with that out there, I'm going to speak about my perception of the democratic party, which again, I will repeat, I'm not a member of, but my perception is that a lot of Democrats feel that that one issue trans rights, which affects roughly according to experts, 2% of the country, that that's the current guess of how many people are trans in America. So 
but they feel like they're being overrepresented in their party while like traditional minorities like such as african-american which is 13 to 17 percent are getting less attention and less uh you know of of the pie so that's another example of like you know there's not like one minority there's not like you can't just be like i'm a minority it doesn't work that way like minorities don't feel kinship in many cases you know there's a lot of sociology behind this so the democrats have just linked themselves as like behalf of minorities but but are they really are they are they just saying that and and so this is another issue where you could see better representation like i'd love to see a a government contest an election where you know black lives matter has their own candidate running and i think like you know i don't know how many americans would want to see that candidate win and how many wouldn't but i would like to see that representation get its fair day without being lumped together with other issues that are not nearly the same to everyone for lack of a better concrete example and you know and like i think more people are affected by how black people are treated in this country both black people themselves and non-black people right like it's an issue for all of us because we all share this country and you know I don't want to misstep, but most good people want to see everyone get along. Um, so because Black Lives Matter is now linked to the Democratic Party, Republicans find themselves at odds with something that they're probably not at odds with. Yeah, the the thing for me when it comes down to to these to these things is, like you said, in terms of trans rights, they're overrepresented, but they know for a fact kind of highlighting it would automatically garner emotional support. Like one thing that I definitely noticed, and I, I mentioned about before is that the polarization is p- completely based on some abstract ideologies and the Republican party hates the other side because they're not religious to, and in terms of extremes, this is more of like an extreme thing. A lot, yeah. Most, a lot of them are actually like, like left center, right center, but the extremes are the ones that everybody hears and the, the ones that everybody attaches on. And it gets really, it gets really toxic and it gets very unproductive at the end of the day, which is the biggest thing because you're the leaders of the country. You're supposed to be doing things that are much more efficient and focused on helping the people in general. But it seems like it's more, I mean, it's politics, but it seems like it's way more politics nowadays. So with that said, Considering the the divide between the two, and that's why I think the necessity of conversation can really bridge this the gap between the two sides. The extremists are going to be extreme, but the the willingness to have conversation between the two sides can be very valuable. But the added element of a third party existing, I want to touch upon. What do you think is holding back a third party or a multi layered party system from existing currently in society? Um, I think. The media is okay. I'm going to make a simple statement first and then I'll link it all back to this. We're the only country that has lobbying. We're the only country in the world that thinks it's healthy and normal for people to be allowed to give a ton of money to a person to run for office and then for everyone to pretend that that person is not going to turn around and directly do favors for the person who gave them money. The traditional word for doing favors for someone who gives you money is called bribery. Like that's like normally how people talk in a conversation about that. Um, It's also called a job or like, you know, there's very few terms for what happens when you literally give someone money and then they do what you want. And whether it's coercion or bribery or a job, 
it's called lobbying and it's a total misdirective. So I think what's holding back third parties is lobbying. I think that most lobbyists pay the Democrats and Republicans and they pay uh, the right people so that the media, which is absolutely beholden to advertising and linked into all of this, is going out of its way to support the Republican and Democratic Party. I think it I don't think it would shock anyone to hear that CNN is heavily linked to the Democratic Party and Fox News is heavily linked to the Republican Party. And I think if that's all you need to know, why would Fox News and why would CNN give any time or any consideration or any real viability to a person like Gary Johnson from New Mexico when he's running for the Libertarian Party? He's not going to turn around and give their advertisers money. Their advertisers are going to tell them, hey, stop talking about that person. That's not what we want. We're going to pull our ads from you. And that's kind of how America works. If an advertiser pulls, you lose all your funding and then you go out, you go away. Right. Yeah, I definitely understand it. The the uh, issue of lobbying is very interesting that eventually I want to dive into the ethics of of it uh, seriously, because there are arguments for and against it and why it's necess- necessary in America's system, particularly because it's a very unique economy, especially with uh, with how capitalism works in America. Um, so with that said, in terms of the third party. Would you say so you're saying the the biggest issue is the fact that they well, it seems like the biggest issue and we kind of touch kind of overlap too, is like financial resources, right? Um However, when it comes down to it, do you think that there's uh, no way that a third-party system can gain those financial resources through lobbying? Well, I've donated to Andrew Yang, and I'm hoping that a lot of other people do. Um, I'm also sickened by the fact that people who work really hard for their money should be giving it to politicians to spend money on advertising and to fund. You know, I think the electoral process itself Uh, What I really think would be fair in this country is for the national debates to be a lot more fair. Like, I think who gets invited to these like caucuses and all of these like Super Tuesday events should be just much more fair. And I think that, um, you know, you should be able to get a certain number of signatures on a petition and then you get represented. And then I think CNN and Fox News should have their cameras planted with no one talking and they should just let these people speak. And then I, I would hope people would tune in and look at and listen to people. Because, you know, there, there's a famous saying that uh, Richard Nixon won the election, uh, won the debate against Kennedy on the radio and he lost it on TV. So it's like the old, like, does charisma falsely win elections? And then, you know, 2016 is hilarious to me because some people will say Donald Trump has charisma and that's why he beat Hillary Clinton. And other people will say he's a disgusting, sick monster. He's anything from charismatic. And it's just people full of hate who voted for him. I find both arguments to be oversimplifying what's really happening, which is what you initially talked about, not me, which was really accurate, which is it's really who do you hate more now? (laughs) Like, who are you going to vote against? Um, I don't mind talking about my voting record at all. Um, I probably shouldn't, but I don't care. I voted for Biden in 2020. Um, I don't like Biden. I don't like the Democratic Party. I did it because I wanted to stop the process that was happening in America for the four years, which is people losing their minds and just hating each other. And so I was like, all right, like, let's stop that, you know? So the anti-Biden rhetoric has been pretty high, but it's not nearly as high as the anti-Trump rhetoric. And both are still higher, but like Obama was a rise, you know, like, I mean, when Obama, I, 
again, talking about my track record, I voted for Obama in 2008, right? I was like the most hopeful and excited I've ever been in the history of my life for politics to work. And instead it just became, how can we stop Obama from winning in 2012? Who can we run against him? How can we not cooperate with him and make the ACA fail? You know, the affordable healthcare act, like, um, I mean, I feel like I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think, you know, overall, my point is that, uh, there's just this like hideous negative structure building and building and building. And I don't think third parties are ever going to get the funding to beat the people who are so invested literally like with money to see this person lose an election now. Yeah. It's really hard to say and whether or not they will ever get the proper funding, but there's two avenues I want to go here. Um, the first one is the aspect of these third parties, uh, breaking this this current culture of this hate train, as as we talked about, because if a third party wanted to be elected, what they would have to provide is something that would be able to break the status quo. Whereas, like, hey, I know you're Republican and you usually lean this way because you're just Republican, not because you care about any of the policies. This is why you care about these policies. And this is what I provide. The the problem with that is like if any of those overlap with that. Sounds like they're working. One second. Have a great show. Testing your speakers and string yards. Sounds like they're working. Have a great show. This song is brought to you by Kelsey and Presley and Streamyard Support. Have a great show. What the heck? Did you hear that? Or was I the only one who heard that? I just heard someone laugh, but I didn't hear anything before that. Okay, yeah. For some reason, some test audio just played and just ruined my train of thought. Okay. But, um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, uh, so, for the most part, my, what I'm saying is, like, if they're so stuck in their ideology and this third-party individual decided to have a certain amount of policies, but some of them overlap with a democratic uh, individual, because of the focus on ideology and not the focus on policy, they're going to kind of go, like, make sure they stick away from the person just because of the any type of association with democratic policy. So that that is like a cultural thing now in the mindset of current voters. So the, the mindset of voters would have to be reshaped back to focusing on policies. Now, one thing I will say is that our, uh, it's getting better, actually, with the newer and younger generation of people yeah. actually caring more about politics. Now, they tend to lean liberal and they tend to lean democratic, but just the idea of them focusing more on policies is a step in the right direction, which could benefit the aspect of Andrew Yang's third party being influential in the future moving forward. So, and another thing I want to touch upon is social media. So the social media makes the whole advertising thing very interesting because sure, mainstream advertising, mainstream media with like news outlets like Fox News and CNN will have their biases and they'll stick to their biases. But because of platforms and because of content creators adding different perspectives, if they are able to like someone like Andrew Yang or a different third party are able to access the uh influencers so to speak and really touch base in them as individuals and even access these social media platforms because like places like now twitter is kind of like 
the freedom space now with Elon Musk and uh, the other social media platforms. Although some they tend to either lean liberal or conservative as well. Some of them have biases. I think Twitter is kind of fine now, and maybe I'm gonna stick with only Twitter. I don't know about the other ones, but if these third parties are able to access that information, that kind of resource better, and pay attention to these younger individuals who start caring about policies more, then that could be a step in the right direction. So are, are you hopeful about that moving forward with the younger generation with social media? I'm very hopeful, hopeful that the younger generation is going to try to destroy every single part of every foundation of every system. But I'm also enough of a fan of history and I know my history to know that your radical young heart gets squeezed and pressed and life tends to like kick it out of you. And it's hard to see these Gen Z people who are like 18 to 22, not hardening and not seeing what it's like to not be the youngest generation and to have people behind you pushing on you. So I'm not convinced that this is going to be the change of all changes, but I am convinced that they're, doing their best to disrupt. And I honestly think that the 2016 election was, was them. I think that a lot of young people were just like, ha ha ha, let's put a reality star in office. And at the same time, tell a very established groomed politician who thought she was going to become president that ha ha ha, that's not how it works anymore for the lulls. Like, I really think that a 5% thing happened in that. And that, uh, you know, because again, we talked about like losing votes. I mean, if you look at the exit numbers and you look at who didn't vote for Hillary, it's different than who did vote for Donald Trump. Um, and, you know, he got the traditional numbers people expected and he got some numbers people didn't expect. And those were mostly younger college people who, for whatever reason, you know, just didn't go out and vote for Hillary Clinton that day, whether they stayed at home, voted for Gary Johnson or voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, that one was interesting because it's more of like a circus. I mean, it's either do yeah. you hate Donald Trump or do you hate uh, Hillary? And Hillary yeah. had definitely a lot of hate. And Trump provided something that was very unique in terms of his individuality compared to like other representative representatives in general. Um, but what I will say is that their their impact, I believe, was probably felt more so in this current midterm election and yeah, yeah. Joe Biden's presidency. I think a lot of people showed out, a younger individuals probably showed out for that one. Um, and then obviously the hate for Trump is, you know, huge too, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what I will say in terms of like these, uh, the younger generation as they grow up is I, I'm not going to say that them getting less radicalized is actually a bad thing. I don't want some ra- radicalized, <laughs> in- ignorant kid, you know, making yeah. decisions generally. Um, because experience matters. A lot of them are in a, cause I, you know, I was in college just a few years ago. You're in an institution where thought and ideas are free roamed and you just kind of throw ideas against one another and see, have these very productive conversations. But these are in a confined space that really have no bearing in reality because a lot of these individuals are either from a certain type of lifestyle moved into this enclosed area or, in a different type of lifestyle. Regardless, their experience is very minimal uh, compared to something like if you went to the military. But even then, with the vast amount of experience, it's still centered based on a militaristic mindset. So you're still kind of 
conformed on a certain way of thinking. That's why most military people vote Republican, right? So when it comes to college students, they it's not until they kind of experience life and everything will will they start getting actual perspective on what the issues that they're voting for actually means. Which could, like, in general, if they care about policies, even if they're, you know, ignorant from their college days and in, the, in their college dorms, once they step out of that and start getting some lifelong experience, but already have the foundation of caring about policies, it could come a long way based on other representatives and other parties making some leeway. Sure, they probably won't get the mainstream CNN, Fox News, or whatever, but if these uh, people are able to influence like YouTubers, streamers, on Twitter constantly, you got to be like Trump. You got to be on Twitter constantly to really touch upon these young, young people. You got to really master the social media to really touch upon these people so even if these people don't get voted though if their impact is strong enough that they are able to kind of fix the the issues of uh, these ideological like culty mindset and this inefficient bipartisanism currently that's really just focused on you know some stupid abstract ideas if these third parties are able to fix that with their presence, do you think that's good enough to, uh, in general, moving forward? Um, I'm going to have to say no. I, it's just too much of a dependence on like a struck a part of our country because I think I don't know the numbers, but I think less people are going to college than ever before since True. you know the the swing went. So, like those people that we were referring to, the college educated youth. I don't think that's going to be as much of so. Okay. The people you talked about, like not the influencers themselves, but the people who follow influencers, I would say those are the people who need to change. And unfortunately, if they're just following an influencer, then I don't think much has changed because I think in the sixties, the influencer was NBC, CBS and ABC. And then in the nineties, the influencers were like, you know, MTV, like the like cable companies had more channels and people who could influence. So now influencing has left television and it's left you know mainstream culture and now it's non-legacy media and it's influencers like you're talking about but i don't really want an inf like first of all a lot of influencers just get paid to say that they like something like uh kim kardashian is currently under sec uh she's being she was fined one and a half million dollars by the sec for taking money and then advertising a stock and telling people how to go get it without saying i took money for this that's very very illegal um, yeah, I mean, I don't really consider celebrities so, the same vein as content okay. creators, mainly because celebrities right, yeah, are still part of a certain type of conglomerate the moment they enter Hollywood. Like, they enter that culture, and that culture has, we all know that they're very much influenced by these very special individuals. So, they're, they, for the most part, don't really have individuality, so I don't really consider them the same. Yeah, I, I see your point. So, all right, so if we remove the Kim Kardashian example, I still think in general, influencers are just gonna, I don't trust influencers as a cure to the system. I still think you're right. I still think that things are changing and disruption is occurring, but I'm not so sure that there's like a plan that's going to come out of this. So I'm not worried. Well, what, what I'm saying is not the influencers. I don't, I'm just saying that there are, there are part. My main two components is, but you did mention college educated people, college enrollment is going down but my main point is college educated people 
focusing on policies more, realizing that the, the stupid way people act now is very ideologically based. And I, I'm seeing a good number of people actually realizing that, which is very, very um, uh, positive. And then my other aspect is the third parties or the multi or other parties making their presence known on social media, being a free platform where they exercise, uh, where they can exercise as much as they want in terms of reaching out to people in general and reaching out to the younger audience in general. So that's my two aspects. The younger individuals realizing policies matter and the third parties making their presence known uh, through social media because obviously they don't have the resources to make it known on like these bigger mainstream outlets. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful and, and you're definitely not, first of all, you're not like categorically wrong or even close to that. I think your premises are intelligent and I'm hopeful they could work. The only real problem I see is that I still think like a Hillary Clinton and the democratic machine can outspend on the internet and even create like discrediting sites against smaller third parties who can't, pay enough to discredit the discrediting and that's what i started by saying with the gary johnson thing like again i'm not saying gary johnson was the best candidate ever he should have been president i also think that he should have been coached better and he should have known what aleppo was my argument is not that it's that when hillary clinton made a gaffe it didn't even make cnn's like headlines let alone was it even on any of their programs probably not was it all over fox of course it was but like that's the game you know they they belittle each other but then when a third party starts to encroach, such as Ross Perot, such as Ralph Nader, such as Gary Johnson, I believe that the other two parties kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, shake hands behind closed doors and agree to pummel the third party component. So I don't see how that's going to stop even with your two pronged solution. So that's what I'm not worried about, but I'm skeptical of. Yeah, I definitely uh, understand that aspect. It really would have to focus on platforms that really emphasize the idea of freedom of speech and the ideas of not being completely biased towards different political platforms. So if Elon Musk really adheres to this ideology, then Twitter would be an example of a platform where that wouldn't be an issue. Places like Instagram and Facebook, I can't really speak on. And then youtube is very interesting as well and the the aspect of youtube is like certain influencers are just as kind of ideologically like brain dead as like other people so even they're hard to really trust but if you're someone this really is focused on like uh people like andrew yang moving forward your, your real best bet to really gain traction other than stuff that you may already be doing is really tapping into the social media market and getting to know these younger influencers and another aspect to it is being willing to engage in conversation with the influencers themselves because there are political streamers that are willing to at least have the conversation the difference between having a conversation and paying them to think a certain way is night and day you're able to relay your thoughts and get feedback versus some kind of manipulative structure against the viewers so that's my that's my thing currently because as of right now there's no realistic way for these third parties to gain any traction and their best hopes is to kind of utilize the power of social media which is very beneficial for them is that they have a new way to reach millions of people without folk relying on the mainstream so with that said another aspect of third parties that's uh interesting to to dive into is are they even efficient in the first place are they even qualified to 
have a important position. So that's another aspect of it that, that needs consideration because there's fewer people and their ideologies are less grounded. It's, you know, some of them just sparked just like a couple weeks ago. It's like, you know, I think this, but they don't really look at the nitty gritty behind. Does this actually work? So what, what do you say about for, about the the qualifications of these third parties and them being potentially unqualified to even run in the first place? Um, I'm not a big fan of qualifications. And uh, my examples are like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, both dropped out of college. They don't have a college degree. Uh, I don't believe Elon Musk ever finished college. Um, I don't think that qualify. I think that's a really good way to sandbag somebody is to say you're not qualified to say things. Now, experience is absolutely a qualification. So before I go any further, I want to say that like someone who's been a senator for two terms is absolutely going to be better day one on the job if you elect them over a newcomer. But, right. you know, pe- people who think outside the box, people who haven't been trained to give the same answers, um, you know, sometimes uh, the best solution for a problem is discovered in like a unique way. Uh, Richard Feynman, when he was in charge of figuring out why the NASA Space Shuttle Challenger exploded, the reason he discovered how it exploded is he dropped a marshmallow in his hot cocoa and he watched it expand and a light bulb went off in his head and he said, oh, my God, the O-ring must have expanded when the heat hit it. And that's why the uh, the shuttle blew up. And my point is that had nothing to do with going to uh, physics or being like, you know, Richard Feynman. He didn't have to go to six different universities for that. So I I think, you know, when we have like a Marjorie Green Taylor in office, we've already got a problem with qualifications, in my opinion. You know, when you have like uh, David Duke was running, I'm I'm older than you, but he he was a candidate from the South who ran twice unsuccessfully for president. But he got like some scary, realistic votes. Um, he had no qualifications except being a KKK member. Like that was his qualification. So, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical of that word in general. Yeah. When I, when I say qualifications, I'm not one to really stick around like education. I'm, I'm not one of those people because at the end of the day, I do think education is a part, but not the whole picture of the capability of an individual. Um, like you said, uh, experience in, in politics, experience in, you know, understanding different concepts and sure there are even exceptions to the rule um and like certain circumstances that's lucky enough to click in their head for some crazy and efficient uh concept but i at the end of the day i don't think relying on exceptions is even realistic and even smart at the end of the day and also with the people like you mentioned like uh steve jobs and elon musk what i'll say about them is they they prove their capability you people didn't go like oh they didn't go to college and um, decide that they're capable. No, they provided a product and proved their capability. So one of the things that you would have to prove, which is harder as a third party, is prove that you're a capable leader to lead millions of people and lead an entire country. And there are even there tends to be things even in Democrats and Republicans where. You know, there's some uh, representatives here and there that it is more than less, very much not qualified, which is another inefficiency on focusing on ideology. But if you're a third party, you don't have that uh, crux to fall back on. You have no ideology to grasp on people. So you're purely all everything that you're doing is purely substance. So you have to prove all your substance because nobody's going to vote for you otherwise. 
So that's the that's the unfortunate hard part for a third party is that they have to prove their substance actually has merit and you have to prove that it will be beneficial for the country as a whole. So they would have to get past that barrier and I don't know how realistic it is unless you're like an accept exceptional individual or some crazy catastrophe or a crazy uh, situation happens like slavery which propelled Abraham Lincoln into presidency and propelled the Republican Party. Without something like that, some uh, third-party representative won't be able to kind of propel themselves. So what, do you think it's at all possible to eventually, for someone to prove that merit and establish that substance that's realistic enough to re adhere to, or realistic enough to capture multiple people across the country? Well, I mean, you just expect define prejudice and bias and uh, discrimination, which is that people don't trust third parties because they've been taught over and over again, you can't trust these people. But I think that message is brought to you by Pepsi Cola and Coca Cola. Like, I don't think that's true. I think it's just if you say something enough times to Americans, they believe it's true. So, uh, you know, if you grew up when slavery was legal, and your parents said, No, no, no slavery has always been legal then you just stop questioning it. You know, you're like, oh, well, right. it's always been legal. So just because we've always been told that third parties aren't viable and that they're not qualified doesn't mean it's ever been true or that it's true now. Uh, for me, what makes you qualified to be a leader of any group, whether it's a small council, a city, a state, or a nation, is that you have the ethics required to say no at the right times. Not to say yes, but to say no. You have to know how to say enough is enough. I'm a leader. I'm not just going to go with mob mentality. And so I don't think that's something that is packaged in red, blue, pink, purple, or green. And I don't think that it's just, uh, you know, I'm not saying you should gut check every candidate. And like, if you think they're a good person, but I do think that if you don't think they're a good person, why the heck are you voting for them? Why are you giving them a vote? So I just think this country has drank a lot of Kool-Aid that says you got to stop that other person by choosing us. Or they've drank a lot of Kool-Aid that says, you can only trust the company behind the product. So like Team Blue is trustworthy. We pick these people and vet them for you. Don't worry about what you're hearing. No, no, no. Gavin Newsom didn't drink wine and keep his own winery open during COVID while making all the other wineries close. That's not true. He's a good Democrat. When he runs for president, you should vote for him. Like that's BS. That was a corrupt as it gets, you know, and uh, he was recalled and he and they didn't succeed. But. When he runs for president in 2024, I'm going to remember that. I don't think yeah. he's an ethical person. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think there, there are some issues there, um, especially if you're voting for an unethical individual. Um, and in general, like we agree that the inefficiencies of our current systems are very much focused on the wrong things. Uh, so to touch upon this uh, a little bit more deeply, and then we'll start wrapping things up, is that. For an individual, for example, let's use Andrew Yang as an example. In order for him to be efficient, and so far from what I've seen, he seems very capable. But in order for him to prove his substance, he's going to have to have policies that work on both sides, on every level, and it's realistic. But one thing that also that needs to be pointed out, because there's so many obstacles, is the fact that he can't, if he ever won presidency... It wouldn't be efficient because there's nobody else that's with him. Yeah, there's nobody yeah. in the Senate. There's nobody in the House. There's nobody in the Supreme Court. So that's another aspect of third parties is that they have to start from the ground up to lay a foundation. 
So that if you're ever running a third party, you need to make that realization that there is a bunch of obstacles, financial resources, um, just general notoriety throughout America based on media or social media. The the fact that you have to prove your worth due to substance because you don't really have any idea ideological backing that's really strong enough to propel you anywhere unless you ha- even if you're like that small like extremist group who have a very small minority that just believes everything you said you're still not going to be doing anything of substance but also you can't really go to the top you have to start with the foundation to start laying the groundworks getting people in the senate getting people in the house because you winning presidency actually inherently won't really work because there's going to be democrats and republicans that are just not going to agree with you so there are so much layers that these third parties need to consider too and i know some of them run for presidency but i don't know if they realize okay you won presidency then what you have two parties that are just not going to agree with you so there's the needs to be a lot more efficiency when going through that uh so would you say for these third parties what do you think is the first step that they need to take in terms of getting themselves voted do you think they should start at the city level start getting city support or do you think they should start or straight to the state level and get some senate potential senate i don't know about house but what do you, what do you think they should really start at i mean i think at the the city level it's it's already well established i don't think they need to really do much more there um there's plenty of city councils with you know different memberships um including extreme parties that you know you and i both don't like um as far as the state level, I'd have to look at the numbers again, but you know, there's always been a decent amount, like we're talking state senators and state um, representatives. And then when it comes to like the national Congress, so not the Senate, um, they have a decent enough representation, but it usually is fickle. It's like the tea party comes in, takes 20 seats, the tea party recedes, no one hears of it again, you know? Um, Specifically, I think the green party and the libertarian party are currently the only two parties that really have any sort of, scaffolding that you were just discussing so i think they should probably just keep at it but i would say that the green party might want to like start beating a different drum or getting their message out differently like you know it's just kind of are are they extreme are they moderate about being green you know like maybe they could like rebrand or even just brand so that america knows what they're all about better the libertarian party um you know, I voted on and off for them, but I'm not registered libertarian. But the person that ran in 2020 was was terrible, in my opinion. So uh, that was for president, obviously. I I do completely agree with what you said about how the president's going to have a hard time getting anything done. I mean, look at Obama when he had like representation that was supposed to support him and it didn't, you know. So how the sausage is made is disgusting. And uh, I think, unfortunately, America was designed so that it would be gridlock that there wouldn't be a lot of sweeping change. They didn't want radical minorities or majorities getting their way. Um, you know, the famous yeah. quote, uh, the tyranny of the majority. Uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's ironic, but it's true. If you're not represented and the other people are overrepresented, it's a big problem. So I still think it would be better for the overall consciousness of this nation to think outside of the box. So to elect a historical figure who is not one of the two major parties would be significant. It would not be as significant as like Obama being the first black president, in my opinion. And it would not be as significant as when we eventually have our first female president. 
but I would say it's like right under that. It's like the third thing that would kind of like blow people's minds. And, you know, the more things we do, put a man on the moon, the more things we do, like discover, you know, how to send information within two seconds across the world and how to watch videos that some kid recorded in China in your living room. These things give people hope and they inspire people. So I, I believe that that's the reason we should vote for a third party for president is to inspire people to believe that you don't just have to vote against someone and hate someone and listen to these two talking points. Mm. Yeah, w I definitely think that would be interesting uh, if we ever get to that point. I think, I mean, obviously voting a female president is a guarantee at, at a certain point. Um yeah. I mean, we may as go as far as eventually voting in some trans individual as a as a president. Absolutely. But the thing about the third party is is very unique purely because of the power dynamic that it will provide if they ever enter into office. And I will say in general, because of our bipartisan and the checks and balances we implemented, it created a long-standing dominant country for years on years. So I, I will never discredit the, the system in general, but I am also an individual that will always abide by we can make things better. So at the end of the day, our current system is definitely hitting a point where it's rather inefficient in terms of what it provides and what it's doing to people based on ideological differences. So a third party would be interesting um, if they voted for president. That would be interesting because... Another thing that I just thought of, like, okay, sure, they will get presidency based on some cultural change. However, if they're president, one, do they get anything done based on the other two parties not being aligned with them? Or two, do they try to exert their power so much that they actually ruin the governmental system because they realize that nobody's on their side, which can be very problematic. So that's that is the only concern for third party representative versus like other identity things because of the power dynamic that could either go really good or really bad. There's definitely a high risk, high reward with, with a situation like that. So I would say they probably need to start with the foundational, you know, and bring out more notoriety, appeal to the younger audience, really make people know what, who you are. Most young people don't know anything about the Libertarian Party or the Green Party, if we're being completely honest. They just yeah, exist, totally. right? So yeah. and that's a that's a foundational step. And once you gain that foundation, you're able to gain the qualifications, the substance. And people people are learning, hey, all these policies from the Republicans ain't working. All these policies from the Democratic policy ain't working. And people will start understanding, potentially. I think social media is the game changer. It really is, for me. So... That's all we got for today's episode. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think I mean I think you really nailed it. I think that uh, what I want to see is inspiration and hope and a little bit of change. I think the young generation, while I don't know them personally, um, I would assume that they have to be a lot more concerned about the environment than older people. And I would hope that when they see that nothing is being done by either party for the environment, that maybe that would be the thing that would break them away. The other thing I would hope is that they see how awful healthcare is in this country. And, you know, Yang is somebody who would absolutely help change that if he won. And uh, I think Yang is smart and knows how to play baseball, if you know what I mean. And I think he would work out effectively. I think it, he and Tulsi Gabbard both left the Democratic Party for very good reasons. It's the same reason that I very reluctantly voted for Biden in 2020. I don't think that they're... Um, 
I don't think they're carrying the most ethical torch anymore. And that's, that's sad to see, but um, yeah. So those are my final thoughts. I think that, you know, I hope young people do change everything. I do believe social media is a game changer and uh, let's, let's hope the game changes in a good way. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Oh, and I did say before we wrap up um, that I was going to tell you one of my deep innate questions. Yeah, yeah, please. Go ahead. So, other than the question of what is the meaning of life, which is kind of the standard philosophical question in every situation, um, one question that I I asked that I thought was very interesting is, can uh, outright freedom create a perfect society? Or in it, and or is it impossible to create a perfect society with everybody having freedom? I think his internet went out. Hello? Okay, looks like it looks like his internet went out, so we're not going to hear his innate thoughts about that. But yeah, that is all we got for today's episode of the podcast. I'm going to start kind of putting the entire podcast episodes on YouTube moving forward, you know, just kind of updating and changing things. Of course, if you guys are listening, of course, ready five stars on Spotify and Apple podcasts and uh, appreciate I'm reading the reviews. Appreciate everybody enjoying the conversations and hopefully these solutions are really kind of making people think. And if you guys want to join in conversations with myself and different people uh, moving forward, I'm going to start having a discord where people can join and we can have these deep conversations. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Y'all have a good one. Take care and peace.